It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. E-S-N-Y. Allison usually handles all the zooms, so I'm a little bit out of my depths trying to figure out how to do the technology part. You know, since uh, I have to have weekly Zoom meetings and like recruiting, we do Zoom and stuff like that now. So I'm pretty good with Zoom now. Like I'm pretty, uh-huh. pretty used to it and everything. We had exit meetings and I had to switch from my laptop to my phone back to my laptop because I was working at the school that I coach at and then had to go home to finish the exit meetings and would switch back so i'm very used to it now i'm like before i was like ah, zoom's weird but now i'm like ah dude i'm a pro i'm, I'm ready to go yeah dude i had a my, my last class of the semester was today and i'm, I'm mad at Ooh, myself I, I drove all the way to the school I, I go to hofstra for journalism i drove all the way to the school i get there and i get an email from my professor that we're going to be meeting on zoom today for the last class we we're just not even presenting final projects just like talking about them so it's just like, oh man, like I drove all the way here. Now I got to drive all the way back. And now I got to figure out how to get on my phone on Zoom and I figure out how to switch it over to the computer when I get home. I was, oh I was, man. Yeah. I almost just did the entire class on my phone, you know, camera off. So, yeah. I was just going to wait around there. I'm not going to. You should have, you should have texted me, man. I'm like, I, I literally just did the thing that you're describing. I did that for several days in a row. An absolute pro. An absolute pro. Absolute at Zoom. pro. Yeah. I well, remember the first time I did it. Like my phone, I forgot to change my name on the Zoom on my phone. So it was just like my my phone tag was, you know, whatever, Pixel 6789, yeah. right? Um, and then my coach was just like, I just figured that was you considering nobody else's phone would be connecting while we're in the middle of the exit meetings other than you right now. Yeah, who else um, is going to just like pop it? I actually wondered that with Zoom when everyone first started like doing Zoom conferences. I wondered if anyone was like, just sitting around at home, like not working and being like, you know what? I'm just going to start typing IDs into Zoom. See if I can pop in on somebody's meeting. See if it works. So everybody's yeah. doing their meetings on Zoom now. And let's, you know, it's a random 10 see digit if code. I can let's get see. the passcode right and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, in, in the beginning, there weren't, people weren't even using passcodes. That's it was just, true. You just that's send right. the link out and, and that's that. And I think maybe that did happen. Maybe that did. People were just like dropping in on Zooms. So like, you know what? I think, I think we're going to have passcodes now. <laughs> I think it was my girlfriend's class. She told me like there were like random names in her Zoom that she was like, what is this? And I, I, that's probably why. Like they worked and they're like, this is bad and we should fix this. <laughs> yeah, it's dude, when, when it first started, I mean, I was still working in a law office. So we had all these meetings to do over Zoom and I was just sending out all these invites. I'm like, not a single one of these invitations has a password on it. These are like, supposed to be pretty private meetings going on between our office and another office. Like there's a deposition going on and we're sending out a zoom link that just, if anybody saw the ID, they could just come right in. They could just come right in and and we wouldn't have any way to stop them. We'd have to start an entirely new meeting. Depositions is not exactly something you want 
unfamiliar faces there. For, yeah, no, and, so. and eventually, you know, it all goes into the court records, but like, yeah, early on, you, you don't want a random person just popping in and, and getting on the records. Stenographer's got to write it down. She's got to write down everything that gets said in the courtroom. Some random Very unfortunate. Just comes in. Yeah. Very unfortunate. I, I don't think that ever happened, but I definitely, I thought about that while I was sitting, you know, back at home in my basement being like, anybody can get onto the Zoom call right now. Anybody. And we are so screwed if they do. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Uh, well, this is episode 120, well over 100 now of the Bleacher know, Creatures Yankees crazy. podcast. Presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, XL Media, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. Max, as always, if you're ever in New York, you got to hit Rivercrest NYC in Astoria. Fantastic bar. Uh, my cousin works there, and she just, she, me and my friends, my high school friends went there a couple of weeks ago, ordered like $150 worth of stuff, and the final bill came. It was like $30. She's just the nicest person. Wow. Um, yeah, and every, everyone there is is very nice. Yeah, she didn't have to. Die. She she didn't let us pay for a tab for like the first five times that I went there. To the point where I was like, All right, I'm just gonna stop going because that's I feel like I'm just taking. I, I, you feel this. guilty, right? Yeah. Like, but get it, I get it. Like half off. All right, that's half off. We're family. That's fine. But like, straight up free. Yeah, let me pay little, for something. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird. It's, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, you know, I could I could use the extra cash, but like, oh yeah, I never have money now yeah. nowadays. <laughs> If I go back and, and got free drinks on there, I'm like, oh, well, that works. That works out better for me. And yes, some of us are better off than others these days. <laughs> but. You know, what's funny is I moved. So I'm for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, I moved uh, from Northern California to Southern California. And a lot of I moved from a upper middle class area to a beach town in Santa Barbara. And it's so funny. Finding a place here was hell because of the housing crisis across America. You know, it wasn't just unique to Santa Barbara. A lot of people, because of the eviction hold and everything, that created a bit of a housing problem and everything. Um, but realtors here are just breaking in the dough. Oh, They're yeah. doing so good because they are charging so much. And I remember I found this place off Craigslist. You know, Craigslist is, you know, is what it is. Um, useful they, in some ways, not so useful yeah. in others. Correct. And if I ever needed to find somebody to to dispose a body, I would go to Craigslist. Craigslist. But also you You can find find a house on it. I I have two good things from Craigslist. One is uh, there was a what was originally I thought a two bedroom place for eighteen hundred dollars. And I was like, oh, that's a sweet deal. Like, get me another roommate. Me and my girlfriend split our room four fifty a piece. That's nothing in California. That's great. That's crazy good. Right. Turns out it was actually a one bedroom for 1800. So it's still not like awful, but it's not good. Oh, that's, um, that's New York pricing right there where you're yeah. like, I was looking at places in Midtown when I, when my lease ran up in Harlem and before I just decided to come home and do school, I was looking at a place in Midtown. I like, Oh, like this is a four bedroom. I just got out of a five bedroom and you know, I was fine with the roommates. It was, it was all good. I go to visit the place. And I'm like, Oh no, this is, this is a one bedroom. <laughs> For like twelve hundred dollars a month, and the living room is just separated into three sections that are quote unquote bedroom. That's what New York is like when you're yes. buying a house. You always got to be careful that it's not just a a flex. That's what they call it. They call it a yes. flex, which is basically just you're living in the living room. That's what you're doing, and and it's going to be like a three by five cell. It's uh, it's it's not great. But she so she repo. I emailed her this woman, and then she emails me back, and she's like. Sorry, there was a mistake in the listing. It was meant to be a one bedroom at eighteen hundred dollars. 
um, I had over 300 responses in a day. Yeah. In a day. Makes sense. And she said, I ended up already renting it out to somebody who paid somebody who paid me $2,200 a month, six months upfront in cash. Oh, what this a dick. Per- <laughs> this person paid $13,200. Just off the cuff. Upfront for this one it was it was not the best place in the world but it was nice right and they paid thirteen thousand dollars yeah those it. those places should be reserved for people like us people who are we're still on the up and up man we're not yeah. we can't go out there and afford like a mortgage yeah i don't think so a mortgage is not in my bag right now uh, if you got thirteen thousand dollars cash on you buy a house dude invest that. that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is like you, if you have thirteen thousand dollars in cash just to like whip out and be like yeah here you go what are you doing with yeah. this place? There's there's places in Montecito where the celebrities live. Go Spend live it over there. there. Spend it Go over, there. over there. It's there's there's better places over there. And the other story was I remember I was still looking for a place and I saw this as as you do with Craigslist. There was somebody who was looking for someone to keep an eye on their llama. They <laughs> wanted somebody to watch their llama. I only saw the posting once. And then it got taken down the next day because somebody agreed to watch the llama because somebody agreed to, to watch the llama. A llama found a house before I did. Oh, my a God. Llama. I was I was like, wow, that's just that just sums up the Santa Barbara housing market for you right there. Our listeners are like, this is supposed to be a baseball podcast. Why are yeah. you still talking about Zoom and housing? Well, it, see, it doesn't matter because unlike unlike those unprofessionals over at Breaking Balls, the very first question that I had here. <laughs> was let's get an update on max's life <laughs> yeah that nyman lady she would never ask that question <laughs> there's a the the update is that a llama found a house before i did and i've gotten really good at zoom because as a pitching coach you do a lot of stuff on zoom apparently yeah, that's, especially that's these the, days i'm sure yeah that's the update on my life no i mean the the actual update is you know as i said moved down from northern california here to santa barbara california in late september uh, started working at Santa Barbara City College as a pitching coach, and it's just um, you know I've come on here before and talked pitching, and I've gotten really really into it. I've always been really into it, but you know there's just so much knowledge about it out there, and I was had so much fun learning about it that I thought you know why not give it a shot of like trying to apply this knowledge, right? Of trying to go back in the industry and everything like that, and not in the front office standpoint, but more of a coaching role. Um, which has ended up being actually kind of good for the future of my career because teams are hiring a lot of coaches now, uh, the Giants model, which, you know, topic for a different day, but very successful. But, you know, it's actually, it's so much fun. I, you've, you, once you've been on a baseball field and, you know, I played for, you know, 13 years, shoulders gave out. That was pretty much it. Knew it wasn't, knew it was it. Didn't try and fight it. was like, yeah, I mean, that's oh, yeah. all I got. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I was, I was the same way. I never growing up did I ever, like picture myself even going to college to play baseball so it's just arm maintenance yeah none of that none of that which is yeah by why going back to play after college just in a men's league i've made it like a few months pitching and i was like oh this this is not for me anymore if i knew what i knew now maybe it would go better right but like I didn't know that, so I can't do anything but you know i after a few injuries you start to sort of realize as i you know, I've told other people like you, everybody gets the call eventually. Right. You know, oh yeah. You, you, once, you once you can't wipe your own ass it. anymore, that's, that's time to hang it up. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I got the call when I was 18 and was like, yep, that's, that's it. 
but you know you miss being on the field you know mm -hmm. like there is just that feeling of you know you work at a desk and you analyze the game like i did for a little bit or you work on stuff feeding information to coaches and players and everything like that but there's just something about being on the field and working with players right that just it's hard to match yeah and uh I just had so much fun. I worked at a baseball training facility for a while, kind of like reinvigorating my love for coaching, you know, where I just said, Hey, throw harder. Um, <laughs> that's not all. That's <laughs> not all hey, I said, throw, but throw hard, throw hard. <laughs> like 85% of what I said was just, Hey, throw the ball harder. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so that was fun. And that was like, yeah, all right, let's see if I can go from that role into this one. And it's, I like to think, you know, personally speaking that, it's going well, you know, I, I have a good relationship with our pitching staff. I have a really good relationship with the other pitching coach and the rest of the coaching staff. You know, he and I talk almost every day about what, what we think the best plan is for the pitching staff, what we think we should do going into this, going into that and like going over possibilities and stuff. And we're always on the same page. We, you know, we work off each other really, really well. So it's, you know, it's going really well. And, you know, it's hard to complain about living in an area where the beach is literally like eight minutes away, you know, right? It's, oh yeah. When, when I actually first started this podcast, I don't, I don't remember if we had you on as a guest when I was doing it with Rob. I wasn't, I wasn't on until Allison was on. Okay. Wasn't on until Allison. Yeah. Rob was, was my roommate at the time. One of my best friends since college. And we were living like 50 feet from the beach at the time. And, and nice. it was, you know, a tiny little apartment, way too expensive for us. And, and we just happened to get lucky enough that, you know, me, Rob's uh, now wife and, him were willing to split it three ways instead of splitting it in half and you know that worked out great for us but i mean just to keep talking about the baseball part of it, i that's how people end up like us that's how people end up like going back yeah. and, and doing coaching or or like me doing radio and doing podcasts and writing it's like you you don't realize i think until you get back onto a field how different it is out there despite you know popular belief of me doing radio and me doing podcasts. Like I'm not a generally friendly person. Like, I don't go out of my way to talk to people uh, that often, just like on the street or anything, but I don't know, just playing slow pitch softball, playing men's league. Like I can talk to anybody about anything. I had a, uh, do you know who Ricky DiPietro is? He used to be a goalie for the Islanders. I've heard. Yeah. I've heard the name before. Yeah. Not he, a big hockey guy, but I have no me either. And, and I didn't know who he was until, you know, he was in our, our men's baseball league and, you know, sky, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He, he hits a double. I'm playing shortstop at the time, and I'm just like standing there on the base holding him on, and we're just like chatting it up. I'm like, I don't think I would be able to just talk to this, you know, professional athlete who was a very good athlete, very good. And and the Islanders fans like they loved him. He's on right now. I don't think this would even be in my bag if I wasn't just standing on a baseball field right now. We're just like cutting it up about some stupid shit. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but he was, he was on, he was pretty good. He was on second base all day. So I, I talked to him a lot that day in a, in a double header. So it's like, that's nice. You don't, yeah. You don't realize that when you're out there, it's, it's different. You, and then you want to get back to it. You forget when you, when you've been away for so long, um, you know, and this is very like, I guess, you know, self-centered in the sense of like, Oh, it's so nice to be back where I was and feeling nostalgic about the good old days, right? When I'm 24 well, years old. That's nostalgia. Yeah, that's baseball. It's just, it's at the end of the day, like we all, we talk about baseball. We're on this podcast together right now. 
because we grew up and fell in love with a very stupid sport that gives us very little in return, but somehow we love it very much, right? It's an like, active detriment to our mental health it, on a it's daily a, basis. It it really it really is at times. There there are times where it's very fulfilling, you know, you know, working as a coach or in radio or something like that. You know, you have a really good article or something that you're really proud of and it gets recognized and uh you know, that, that feels great. Or you finally found a breakthrough with a player or anything like that. Or if you are a player, you have a really good game or something like that. But for the most part, it's more infuriating than anything. <laughs> right. And, uh, but being a part of that, it's just like, there's just nothing that can replace it. You know, it's just, there's nothing that comes close. And I played basketball. I watched basketball. Uh, you know, I know people who are football fans and everything like that, but I just, there's nothing that comes close to that feeling when you're on the baseball field of just like, this is so much fun. Nothing yeah. can come close to this. That's something I was like, um, when Chadwick Bozeman was filming 42, like there was a lot of actual baseball scenes in there. So yeah. he had to like get used to actually playing first base. Anyway, I said like, I don't know, there's something like really reflective about it. Like you're just, you're out on the field and you're very focused, but your mind is wandering at the same time. And it's just, it's very reflective. And I'm like, yes, yes. I get just like standing out there and like fielding ground balls. Like I get it. I understand this. This made me feel good. He, he had, a, he's like, I have newfound appreciation for how actually beautiful this sport is. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a very beautiful game. It's yeah. also a very horrible game at times when you throw an 88 mile hour curveball that's about to hit the dirt and Nick Madrigal decides to just flick it over the second baseman's head. I'm sorry, that Jonathan Loisica curveball, the Nick Madrigal that was basically in the dirt that he flicked over for a hit that gave the White Sox the lead in that game lives rent free in my head. Just because oh, yeah, because this it, is, you know, you're the president of the Jonathan Loisica yeah, guy. And he threw a, you know, objectively great pitch. Like it nearly landed in the dirt and he got a swing. Most of the time, I would say probably 85 to 90% of the time, that's resulting in a swing and a miss. It's higher than that. The only other yeah. person who's hitting that is, is Vladimir Guerrero, the original, the senior, yeah. just hitting a ball that bounces. 0.999% of the time, it's resulting no in contact out. with that. Yeah. yeah. And, but instead, I just remember watching it. I was just like, man, if I were the wise guy, I'd be losing my goddamn mind out on the mound right now. I'm like, are you serious? How the hell did you hit that? And, but I, Again, it's like something so stupid as that is also so beautiful in a way of like you throw an 88 mile an hour curveball, something that also like doesn't make sense an 88 mile an hour curveball. And it yeah, was try telling that to Babe Ruth like a hundred years yeah. ago. Be like, hey, this is what they're throwing now. <laughs> you know, a curveball. Imagine if somebody threw it at 88 miles an hour. You mean the speed of a fastball? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a fastball, but it drops 30 inches. Good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Or or imagine trying to explain Chaz Rowe to like Ted Williams. Oh my Go God. up to Ted Williams and be like, hey, so the ball is going to start in the other batter's box. And then it's going to end up at your hip. And it's also going to be traveling at like 84 miles an hour. And it's just going to go like this, like a straight line across. Yeah. That, like, you have to you hit that. that. Yeah, they're you probably looking at Nestor that. Cortez Jr. and being like, oh, yeah, they this would kid's be... got the best stuff in the league, huh? <laughs> they, look, they look at Nestor Cortez and they go, why he do that? <laughs> hey, you're throwing it 88 why... miles an hour, guy. What, what do you need all this extra stuff for? Why Why are you dropping down like that? Why are you? <laughs> God. Nestor's oh, great. Man. 
I love Nestor so much because Nestor makes no sense. It's, it's one of those guys who just makes zero sense and he's, he's successful. And that was yeah. you know, a big part of why the Yankees starting rotation was so good this year. Which he was straight say, up good. Yeah. Even, even when you were on the podcast before last season and Allison and I bring this up all the time, you said the Yankees might have the best starting rotation in the American league. They might. And we were like, okay, that's, it's a lofty goal, but we trust our stats genius. We trust it. And then now we're looking at the end of the season. It's like, God damn it. Max knew it. He knew. And it wasn't Not in even, the way I thought it would happen, yeah. but like, yeah. it's still it happened. wasn't Luis Severino never really came back. And Corey Kluber was gone for so long. Tyone was injured pretty much the whole year. And then it was just like, oh yeah, by the way, like Luis Heal. How about Luis Heal? How about yeah. Nestor Cortez Jr. Coming back? How about Mike King? Mike King, Mike King was year. really, yeah, he did have a good year. He came back from injury. He, so he swapped out. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm now going to rant about how I, I rant about the wise guy. Mike do King is my it. breakout like reliever of the year for the Yankees next year. Um, he came back, he dropped his slider. He just said, no, nope, this isn't very good. I'm just going to swap it out for basically Corey Kluber's curveball. I'm going to change my curveball to Corey Kluber's curveball. And he threw it more and the whiff rate went way up. Swing strike rate went way up. Hard contact allowed went way down. It was small sample size of only like, you know, 17, 18 innings, right? So take it with a grain of salt. But he pitched great coming back from injury. His his last appearance of the year where he got kind of shelled by the Rays, whatever. Like it was like eight to two at that point. And yeah, it happens. Rays, Rays were just feasting. That was just a bad day. I remember Monty got shelled on his last appearance of the year. And I was like, damn, people are really going to forget how good of a year Monty had just because he he's so underrated. I've loved him since day one because Sabathia so said when in spring training, he's like, I don't know like how hitters hit off Jordan Montgomery because the way he releases the ball, the way he hides the ball so well and releases it he's so high, so... higher than anybody in the league. She's like, how do you like, how do you see a curveball coming in from like seven feet up and still put a bat on it? It's just so impossible. He was the only pitcher in the league this year that had a swinging strike rate over 20% on two different pitches, his curveball and his changeup, which is the changeup was a new weapon. Yeah, that the changeup was good. Like it just, it didn't run a lot, but what it did is it mirrored his sinker and his fastball perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like it looked exactly like a fastball out of the hand. And even if you watch the clips, it looks exactly like a fastball until you see the velocity is like 10 miles an hour slower. And you're like, how the heck do you do that? And, but the problem was with, for Montgomery is he got degrommed the whole oh, yeah. year. Oh yeah. And I remember I talked to Matt Blake. I had the very, I, I got very fortunate. was able to talk to Matt Blake for uh, a little bit. And Yankees pitching coach for anyone who doesn't yes, know Yankees that. pitching yeah. coach. I'm um, speaking directly to my family members who listen to this. I have no yeah. idea who Matt Blake is. Yes. He's the Yankees pitching coach. And I asked about Montgomery and we were talking about how, um, you know, he would pitch so well, but he, it felt like if he made a mistake, that was it. Like mm-hmm. there was, there was no chance the team would win on a given day. And so he was, his walk rate steadily climbed throughout the year because he nibbled so much and you know Monty's good but his stuff his pure stuff is it's not is, the overpowering stuff it's that you not get overpowering. from Garrett Cole or Luis Severino he gets by because he can pinpoint where he wants the ball to go but the problem is when you're constantly in one run games or it's tie games and stuff like that you can't you don't really have the luxury of being able to just be aggressive because one swing can really just change the game on you. And he was all year just nibbling and battling like crazy because 
team wouldn't score for him. Like they just, he left so many games in the fifth or sixth inning because he had thrown 88 pitches because he was like, if I throw this one, two changeup ever so slightly off, it could be given up for a home run. So I'd rather that's the game, throw that's for a game ball. over. We lost yeah, today because like, I missed by like a few inches. That's the worst part about baseball. You make a mistake by a few inches. You just lost the game. And, and it's, and it really, it's, you could tell as the year went on, it was wearing on Montgomery hard. Like it just, dude looked tired by the end of the year. And how could you not? First of all, you barely, you had a, like a 110 inning jump from the year prior. Right. So a lot more innings, a lot more pitches, you know, we, you know, we build up and everything like that and pitching coaches and pitchers themselves can manage it. And you can do that sort of thing. You can have that big of a jump from year to year. It's possible to do those things. But it's a lot harder to do those things if your high intensity days are relying on a lot of high stress situations, situations where, as we said, if you make a mistake, you might feel like it's game over. And you shouldn't really feel like that when you're playing for the New York Yankees. But that sort of reflected the whole Jordan. If you look at Jordan Montgomery season, I think it reflects the Yankees entire season really, really well. Yeah, they didn't score runs. (laughs) They didn't score runs. He pitched well, would always keep them in the game. And the offense would either show up directly when it needed to, or it wouldn't show up at all. That pretty much described the Yankee season, in my opinion. The offense was there when it needed to be, or it just wasn't there at all. And uh, unfortunately for them, it wasn't there at all a large part of the year. And, you know, I think going into the offseason, everyone was expecting a lot of changes. You know, I remember I told you this, but the expectation in the industry was that not a lot was going to happen before the CBA. Oh, yeah. I was and, I was saying that yeah, I must have said it every day on radio. Like nothing is going to happen until the CBA expires. Nothing's going to happen. And then, of course, yeah. like three days before it expires, I have to it goes get on radio and be like, so I was wrong. <laughs> crazy. And I remember I was, you know, I, I still have friends who work for teams and everything like that. And I was talking to them. I was like, what what's the change? Like, why the big change all of a sudden? And, you know, and it makes sense. I think Jeff Passon said the same thing that Scott Boris was basically like, I want my guys to get paid before the lockout. Mm-hmm. Right. Because guaranteed money is guaranteed money. And the expectation with the CBA is to not affect free agency too much. Right. It might affect the luxury tax. Hopefully it goes up um, and not down. Um, and it, the, the penalties get lighter, not harsher. So that could affect free agent spending. Right. But for the most part, it probably won't, you know, the, the terms and everything like that, the amount of dollars you can spend and everything, it's not going to make too grand of an impact, no matter what happens. The core economic issues to the players are arbitration and years of uh, control. Getting which, to free agency, not what happens correct. once you do get there. You got to get there faster. It's fair because you get ripped off in those years. And then in free agency, you go make your money. That's been the system. Get ripped off and then go in free agency and still get ripped off most likely. Like Bryce Harper's contract now looks fantastic. Yeah. John Carlos Stanton's too. John Carlos Stanton's contract looks like nothing, really. What is it, 25 mil? 22 million. The Yankees owe him 22 million a year. That's that's, that's that's really nothing. nothing. And everyone always said, oh, John Carlos Stanton's got this mega contract. And it's like, no, 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 no. He was just the first person to get that in like this new era. If you actually look at it, it really isn't all that much money. Once uh, Marcus Simeon signed for seven years and like $180 million, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, every big contract before this year is now going to age. Like 
crazy well. It's now yeah. going to look so much better. Machado's contract looks fantastic. You know, unfortunately, it also makes people's like Ronald Acuna's and Ozzy Albee's contracts look like total thefts. Just straight well, up. I, we knew even when Albies first signed that, that one was, was straight just up straight up theft. egregious. That was yeah, that so was bad. that was them the Braves saying like, oh, it'd be a real shame if we just like stop playing you if, unless you accept this contract. It's like, well, what I, am I supposed to do? How did I? I want to know how that happened. I mean, for people who are not familiar, um, I believe Ozzy Albies' contract is like an eight-year extension for either 24 or like 42 million dollars or something like that either way it's nothing for a guy who's a multi-time all-star and one of the three best players at his position he is incredibly underpaid but that contract now looks like arguably the worst contract a player has ever signed it wasn't it was pretty bad when he signed it i don't know if it was the worst contract a player has ever signed bad now it probably is the worst contract yeah well he signed it so young it was it's kind of like going back to the the mike trout thing that which is ended up what is that's what brought us together when we were defending people when we were defending mike trout against mike trout we were like how are we how are we doing this right now and and oh this max guy is like always here Largest yeah. contract in sports, and people are like, "Oh, he should have gotten more." He's not a winner. He stayed with the Angels. Like, well, can you just for a moment think about what Mike Trout just did? Like, he just guaranteed that his children's 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 children will never have to work a day in their lives. Like, okay, Fun he didn't go fact, to a winning though, team. If he didn't take that contract, I believe he would have been a free agent after 2021 or 2020. But there, were, there might have been an option in there. I can't remember exactly. He probably still gets a really good deal, but does he get the same? He didn't play. He, the inju- he, yeah, the injuries have been there. Straight up didn't play this year, which sucks, by the way. Terrible yeah. for the sport. Because he, he would have been right next to Shohei Otani. Uh, yeah, he literally had like a 210 weight around graded plus like a week before he got hurt. So he was absurd to start the year. It, I remember because everyone was talking about there's no offense. And they're like, Mike Trout, though. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout's literally at, uh, he's hitting like 380 with a 500 on base percentage and an 800 slugging. It was absurd for a while. But um, yeah, we were talking about how like in those situations, you know, you get offered the money. And you want to take it because it's more money than you've ever seen before in your life. Or anything. And if you're, you're Ozzy Albies, you're not on, you're not making arbitration money even not, yet. This is, hey, this is so, money. If something happens, you're guaranteed $40 million. If something happens it, to you and your family is fine forever. That, and that, that's very appealing. Like it just happened again with Wander Franco. He just mm-hmm. signed. And I remember people were like, this is the, this isn't very raised like, and I'm like, this is entirely raised. I see. I have 2026 circled when he jumps up, he jumps up like $5 million. I have 2026 circled for a trade. This is, this is entirely like the race. They do this stuff all the time. They're so they basically say, you know, I believe the, like the, it can get up to 220 something million dollars in value for 12 years, but the base value is 180. The problem is, with the contract, there are incentives if he finishes top five in MVP voting, but only at the back end of the contract. Yeah, the front like the end, the next four, four years. years of Wander Franco's contract is, it's affordable. It's very affordable for the race. And what's crazy is he could win multiple MVPs before he even gets to that incentive. And so that's where the players are focusing their CBA talks on, right? That stuff, getting rid of that stuff, because- Frankly speaking, and this is not any disrespect to Wander Franco, 
you get offered that deal in the current system, you should take it, right? Because it's guaranteed money. And I'm not dogging on Franco. I think he did the right thing in his situation. But for the love of God, this feels wrong from just like an overall standpoint. Are you really going to sit there and tell me over the next 12 years that Wander Franco is only going to be worth at the most $220 million? He's going to be worth $220 million by the end of 2023 because yeah. of how good he's going to be and the amount of money he's going to bring in because of how good he is. Yeah, like, I mean, we already saw it. There was a month adjustment period for Wander Franco. And after he, that, he if he had done what he did after that for the whole season... That's MVP conversation. Maybe he didn't strike out but. for like weeks. Yeah. Which is unheard of now. And it's and not remember, the Rays model either. Cause that's, you know, the strikeouts. They love they're, strikeouts. They're just like, yeah, who cares? They don't bombs. care. <laughs> like they, he's the total antithesis of everything they actually believe in as a whole offensive. He unit. just, he doesn't strike out in addition to walking a ton and hitting with power, which, oh yeah, by the way, like Juan Soto, that's what Juan Soto does. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not, he's, his offensive skill set isn't quite as good as, Juan Soto's is maybe I'm biased because you know Juan Soto is is my guy and I met him and everything. But uh, it's it's just remarkable to watch that guy play and then be like, oh yeah, we're gonna now go rip you off, right? Yeah. Like, and he's just, also good defensively. That's the big oh, thing yeah, against Juan Soto like, is that he, Juan Soto doesn't play great defense. He's he's fine defensively. He's, he's like good great defense. defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Franco but Wanda is Franco's great, great. defense <laughs> yeah. at the most important non-catching position you can play defense at. Yep. He's a great defensive shortstop, which, dude, he's going to be a perennial six to seven win player every single Oh, yeah. He's he's a superstar. He's a superstar. Absolutely. And instead of talking about how big of a superstar he is, now I'm going to be focusing on, man, that guy's so underpaid. And that kind of sucks, right? Like, that kind of sucks. And I know with CBA talks, people were like, oh, it's billionaires versus millionaires. First of all, it's not. It's, it's, the, it's B, not the B is so important in that. But the B. Even if, even if that were true, that it were billionaires versus millionaires, it's not true. But if even if it were, how much is a billion dollars? So much. It's at least so 999 much. million. It's, it's so much more. And it's not millionaires because Max Scherzer, and I remember people were talking about Max Scherzer's comments about the CBA and everything, how he won't sign anything unless he feels like it represents the best players. And he just got into, again, as you know, big Max Scherzer guy, a very generous contract giving oh, yeah. a 37-year-old pitcher $120 million over three years is maybe a bit of a weird financial move in today's market or in really any market. But you know what? Good for Max and good for the players, right? He was hunting out the biggest deal possible because he knows that he's representing more than himself. Yep. And so when that's why says, I know he was on the phone with the Dodgers all day. Like he took one day to like think about the offer, calling them all day, like, please, please, please match this. Please find a way to match this offer. He definitely, <laughs> my, when I talk, I don't want to go to the Mets. He was super confident. Like, he, A, he wanted to stay in LA because he liked it there, which, mm-hmm. how could you not? Yeah. The Dodgers just in the playoffs every single year. Yeah, you're pretty always good spot competing to be in. for a title, right? Yeah. Um, B, it's, you live in Southern California. There are worse places to live. <laughs> There are worse places. Um, it could be in Seattle. And see, the Dodgers, they pay people, right? They his, they have historically paid players. They, they are not afraid to shell out the big contracts. And, you know, listen, I'm not going to ever say that it's wrong to pay a guy. I don't think there's ever such a thing as an overpay anymore. Like, you, you just can't do it. These no, absolutely not. You're talking about, yeah. right? But, you know, the Dodgers, from a baseball ops perspective, said $129 million for a 37-year-old is a bit riskier of an investment 
or a contract than we want to give. And they have, they have other pitchers. It's not yeah, like they're they, relying they can, on Max And they Scherzer. can do that yeah. because if they don't give it to him, they can always just resign Kershaw. Then they can roll out with Bueller, Kershaw, Urias, Gonzalez, May. That pretty good that's, rotation. That's still arguably. that's still arguably yeah. the best rotation in baseball. Like, it's, and uh, you know, maybe Trevor Bauer. We don't know how that situation plays hopefully out. Hopefully, never again. Yeah, hopefully, um, never again. But so it's 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 understandable. But you know, Scherzer is fighting for not himself and the other big free agents and everything. He is fighting for the Andrew Velasquez's, the Tyler Wade's, the uh, Miguel Andujar's of the world. Of the, they don't get paid a million dollars. They yep. get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they just fought for nothing for years. They got paid nothing, and they come up and they go down. They come up and they go down. And Scherzer wants to protect those guys because they deserve more money than they get in the minor leagues, and then they finally come up. Listen, this is not here for me to say, like, if, oh, Tyler Wade's a quad A player. I'm not, I don't care about that kind of stuff in this regard. It's all about making sure that the pay- players are paid fairly for the revenue that they bring in because they bring in the revenue, right? They're the product. They, They're they the product. are the product, right? They are there. You go and buy tickets, not because Hal Steinbrenner owns the team. You buy the tickets because you want to see Aaron Judge hit 500 foot home runs or Garrett Cole strike out 16 guys or somebody do something amazing, right? That's why you go to watch the games. But also to watch those, you know, you will see great moments from those guys. And then for years, they saw nothing, right? And now, and I'm not saying like, oh, Major League Baseball players should also care about the minor leagues, because as you know, it's just too tough. Those are the asking demands of the two groups of minor league players and major league players. They're very different, right? It's, you can't... include that in this as much as I would like to, you can't include it in the CBA because it's just never going to happen for the, the major league players can't focus on the minor league stuff because they're just different issues. Yeah. And then you also, you know, you have to acknowledge with minor league players, like there are a lot of guys down there who are just down there as competition guys who are, are never actually going to make it to the major leagues and fill spots, yeah. throw innings. Right. They have they have no chance of actually going to the show as now they should be paid livable wages. Obviously, they yeah, should be we, getting more. But there's you know there's bigger issues at stake as far as look, as major league players go. Let me clarify in that minor league players are grossly underpaid, and that they're I'm very happy to hear that major league baseball has now said that they will pay for the minor leaguers housing next year. That's a wonderful development. Yep. Um, you know, paying them more would be a better development, and we'll get there one day. But it's tough to pair that in the CBA right now because the owners are not going to budge on making arbitration more player friendly and paying minor leaguers more. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And nor should you really expect it to like they're billionaires. They, they they didn't, little, nobody becomes a billionaire fairly. By it being just doesn't generous. Yeah, it doesn't, it just doesn't like, happen. It doesn't happen. You don't see Steve Cohen out there being like, Oh, I don't need all this money. Here you go. That no, tell that to Max Scherzer. Yeah, well, fair. <laughs> but uh, when he gives out the Scherzer contract, though, you know what happens? He makes it back the next day. So, oh, yeah. It, it doesn't, it just, you can't ask for the owners to do both in the same CBA negotiations. And the issues that affect minor leaguers are housing, proper pay, proper nutrition. Um, and everything like that. The issues that affect major leaguers that are the Tyler Wade's, the Andrew Velasquez and everything, it's making sure that they're not having their service time manipulated, making sure that they're 
you know, having access to the facilities and like what their pay is when they're in the minor leagues after already being on the 40 man and everything like that. It's just, again, those are, those are just wildly different things to focus on at a negotiating table. So it's tough. And that's why Scherzer fights so hard. So whenever somebody says it's millionaires versus billionaires, it's not that. And even again, even if it were billion is B. way it's with a B. bigger. Yeah. It's with a millions. B so much bigger, but I, I hate talking to CBA just because oh, yeah. it's, it's such a draining conversation. And, you know, like I remember I was listening to R2C2 and they were like, it's bad for the sport. You know, both sides need to We've done this and- twice in two years too, though. Cause we did it with, with we did the it COVID with the 2020 thing. season. Yeah. yeah because, and 20- we were doing the same thing and like, all right, like this was everyone. The players are the coming. ones getting the short end of the stick. And this is, you know, the way I always talk about it when I'm trying to explain it to casual fans, like, you know, what is this CBA thing? Why do the players really need to get paid more? And I'm like, I, yes, just understand that some of these players, and I think with, you know, Latin American players in particular, because they're internationally signed at like 16 years old. So their entire lives have been dedicated to this game, this game alone. They have a very to this limited team, basically to this since team. They were yeah, 16. If, yeah. If you get drafted at a high school, never once in your life have you chosen where you played baseball until you get to free agency, uh, which could happen. And that needs to change 27, 28 years old. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you, you have such a limited earning window and the average career is less than three years. So you never even get to that million dollars. You don't get to that seventh digit. If you're just, you know, that one of the below average players, you make it a couple of years, you get paid a few hundred thousand dollars, which, you know, that's great, but you've and also, sacrificed, it, most of it goes to your agent. Most of it goes to your agent. Coach, yeah. And you got your you know, family to take care of, and you got to buy a house and all that. You're not really leaving yourself a lot of money left over for something that you've dedicated likely 20 your years of life. your life to, and you can't half ass it. There's no half assing it and getting to the league. It is a full-time job. You can't, you know, guys get degrees, but they get degrees in like communications, unless you're, you're just some or they kind don't of get genius degrees at all. They or they don't get degrees at all. Yeah. Or, or they leave after their junior year, you gotta go back to college afterwards and, and do, you know, student loan stuff. And we know how that goes, uh, but there's awful. just, it's, it's so expensive to get to that level. And when you leave with like a few hundred thousand dollars and in many cases, no skills. You, like, yeah, you can't go into the real world. Like you don't like, have oh, you don't have a marketable skill. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're a former baseball. The player. only That's thing cool. you can do is coach. That's the only thing left. And let me tell you, this shit don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't make money out here coaching people. Yeah, or or you can do radio, but that doesn't pay well either. You, you don't you don't make money. Yeah, your your roles are your your options are you can try and stay within the game, which there's a lot of competition in that. If you're a former player, there's a lot of people who just want like, oh yeah, I'll go on TV, right? Yeah, but if you don't, like if you say what everybody else is saying, you have to find like a sort of unique voice or a unique spin to it. You have to have a reason that people want to have you there. It's not, it's just not like I'm good enough. I'm just as good as everybody else. No, you got to be better. You got to be better than everybody else. No offense to, again, like somebody like Andrew Velasquez or something. But if, you know, if he goes on a TV network, like let's say he plays a couple more years and then, you know, he tries to join the angels TV network or something like that. What's their incentive to bring him on? It's not like he's famous. No, it's not like he wasn't very good for, uh, maybe he will be, but like, you know, if he's like what he was for the Yankees, what's their incentive? Why would you bring him on? Okay. Well, what if he tried to become an infield coach? Okay. There's a hundred other guys. Yeah. What about the hall of famers who also wanted to become infield coaches after their careers are over? Yeah. What, like, why are you going to give him a job over the hundred other guys 
that are already effective. Or like uh, like pitchers. Why why would level. you give a former yeah. pitcher, a guy who wasn't even that great at pitching in the why major league give level? Brooks, Brooks Krisky a studio job. He got shelled and did yeah. nothing. And even just... even as a pitching coach for like a, a college or something. Well, who cares that you played in the big leagues? We have guys who we have these numbers now. We can analyze all this yeah. data and we understand what it means. Do you how understand you what all that means? Rap soda or do you yeah, do you you know all this stuff? Do you know how to do like biomechanic research? No? Well, someone else does. Some, so. And we can pay for that. Mm, they're already good at it. So sorry. Like yeah. it's why would we pay to train you when we can pay someone who knows it already? Exactly. So all this adds up to like just the same thing of like these are the issues that players care about these are the issues that when they talk about the cba these are the issues that they're really focused on they don't care about the listen the runner on second rule people might hate it and everything like that but they players just they don't care no this is not an issue for them the you know seven inning double headers actually most players kind of like it and again you can kind of understand why i was in in covering games uh, you know from my baseball perspective i'm like no nine inning games we play nine inning games that's how we do it but also like while i'm actually watching the seven inning double headers i'm like trying to keep up and trying to like write articles you realize and how much I'm like, you like it you, you realize the games how nice are almost over already look at that hmm, yeah, it's, it, it's really nice i remember i remember when they announced that they were doing it i was like this is actually so great because you get in and out of there and listen, double headers under normal circumstances, right? It was weird because of COVID and everything, but under normal circumstances, what you might have four at most in a given year, right? Yeah. Like at the most. And the Yankees, we get a lot of them because, you know, we play in New York in, in spring and it's always raining. And I always feel like yeah. we're playing a billion double headers over the summer, where if you're like the San Diego Padres, it's like, we don't do you, play any. Right? What do you mean you got, you guys got rain? You got, what is rain? What is that? I've never heard of that before. We've never had like, a game canceled. Yeah. So some teams don't play any, right? Other teams, like even the Yankees, if in an unusually high year, they still only play like nine, right? Yeah. So about 18 games and, you know, 10% of your schedule, like, okay, that is, that is statistically significant, I would say. Um, but it's also at the same time, 90% of the games are normal. Is it really going to kill you that you lost? What is that? 36 innings on a year where you're going to see over a few thousand. Is that really going to bother you that much? Right. But again, players don't care about that. They'd actually probably fight to keep that rule, yeah. but they're not caring. Cause they're not getting injured. They're not getting used. Yeah. The, the, their day's done earlier. Right. <laughs> it's less it's like you, it's like you go into the office and they tell you, you can take a half day today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing for them. Um, so, but they don't, they're like, that stuff will sort itself out, right? The DH rule, it'll sort itself out. Those things sort itself out. We don't care. We just want to make sure that we are being paid properly. Um, and I, you know, everyone's always going to, and I get it from a casual fan standpoint, when you make $75,000 a year. Yeah, or nobody, 50, nobody puts on ESPN how much the owner of the team is worth. They just show you how much, pairs, how many hundreds of salary. millions of dollars these guys got. And so I understand that it can be hard at times to sort of realize that they're still the labor in this. They're closer to you than you will ever be to the owner. Oh, yeah. Ever. Ever, oh, yeah. ever, ever. You're Even never... the, the highest paid player, if Juan Soto gets a $500 million contract, he which will he still, yes, which which he probably deserves, he will still be closer to your net worth than he is to a billionaire. Exactly. And he's halfway to the one. He's halfway to the just the one. We're talking he's... about like Steve Cohen's got like 15. 
he's halfway there and you have a better shot at becoming that than you ever do at getting to Steve Cohen status. Yep. Ever. You got to have so, some crazy inside trading to get there. If you're, yeah, if you're, a, <laughs> hopefully not illegal. Uh, <laughs> although if you do do it illegally, I guess you can get away with it and then go buy a baseball team. Yeah. I and still then got everyone, over everyone that, by the way. Like, I wasn't even allowed to buy the team. How did, like, when they're like, oh, yeah, Steve Cohen's probably going to buy the Mets. I was like, didn't he get arrested? Like, yeah. I was like, I think there was, I think only the White Sox owner was really like pushing against and it. And that was, yeah, it wasn't think, about the insider trading thing. It was like, he's going to ruin it for the rest of us. He's going to pay the players. He just he's didn't ruin like Cohen. It. He just thought yeah. Cohen was a bit, a bit of a dick. But <laughs> again, he's a billionaire. Of course he is. But like, I was like, dude, what? How did nobody else object to the fact that, the, you know, why they didn't object? It's because they've all done it themselves. Yeah. Um, Cohen just got caught. This, uh, this very quickly became like a socialism podcast. I know. This is really <laughs> all these billionaires, damn it. This really quickly divulged from Zoom talk to Southern California rent is absurd to. <laughs> Uh, there was baseball talk in there and you know, we'll get on to what the Yankees should do and everything. And there was CBA, which is also baseball talk. And baseball related. Just, but we also don't, we don't have any CBA news. We're just it, it's like sitting and waiting, which is again, like it's the holidays. So expecting the negotiations to happen over the holidays was probably uh, a bit misguided, right? Yeah. Like where have we been wants. for the last two weeks though? <laughs> where have we been? <laughs> That I so I always kind of figured that once the lockout started, like we wouldn't we wouldn't hear any negotiations until after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, that's that's everyone kind of everyone freaked book. out about that today. I know the the wise again group chat definitely started yeah, freaking out were, about that today when we we're like I don't know mid January. I was like yeah, I've was, always had mid January circled. I've, I, if we don't have a deal by February first, then I'll be like okay maybe we need to start to worry a little bit. But until then, I'm not really going to get too concerned, right? Yeah. Because again, it takes one phone call. You know, a couple phone. I, I guess I should say it takes one phone call after a couple phone calls internally from both sides, and then a deal can get done. Right? Yeah. That's all. Because really the main issue once you figure out the free agency thing, everyone else, everything else is just you know, you know icing on the cake for one side or the other. We're not at the one yard line. Um, no. but <laughs> that's a bit. I hate. Game. I hate the one yard line. <laughs> I hate the one yard line. It's the worst. Everybody. We have medicals yet. Oh, or a deal is at the one yard line. You know what was at the one yard line? Max Scherzer to the Padres. Ken Rosenthal said it was done. And then not only did he go to the Dodgers, he took Trey Turner with him. And that was it for the Padres that year. They, they were never good again after that. You know what's uh, funny is I, I have a, I had a friend who worked for the Padres. And when the Rosenthal report came out, I texted him. He's and he goes, Don't say nice, good hat, good hat change. Uh, he's like, Don't say anything but that's not true <laughs> because we haven't heard from the nationals or Boris in well over 12 hours. I just, I have to imagine that like who it was, Boris. what happened? What it was, Boris. he, he, but he said to Ken Rosenthal, like it's done, it's done, it's done. Cause that's a he bridge was, burner. Like he, I, he said to somebody who then told Ken or something like that, that the deal, yeah, I mean, like, hopefully Ken got rid of that guy as their source, right? Yeah, not a good source. Not, not a, a good not source. A good, clearly not a good source. Um, but it was 100% Boris was trying to put the leverage on Rizzo to put the leverage on the Dodgers to sweeten up the deal, yeah. right? Because basically what had happened was 
the Nationals had a deal to, the, I believe, most likely the Red Sox. They didn't specify it, but they said it was an ALS, AL East team. And we know that for some reason, he just never really wanted to go to the Yankees. It just is, it's never been his thing. He just yeah. he was a free agent and Yankees called. They had a conversation and it just they never had another one. Right. So he just never wanted to go to the Yankees. Um, but oh, he must Scherzer, be scared of the spotlight as I doubt yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, Max Scherzer of all people. Um, and then I remember, you know, reading that the ALEs team had a trade for him and Scherzer said, no, his preference was to go somewhere on the West coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Padres giants and Dodgers had all been really heavily pursuing him and all very good. And all, you know, at that yeah, time, at the time, still the Padres all, were very much in the mix were all teams were in the mix. Giants and Dodgers were pulling ahead of the Padres, but the Padres were still in the mix for a playoff spot. The wild, right? They had the first wild card locked down. It was so, locked down entirely. If they had gotten Scherzer, they probably would have been able to keep it. And everything, mm. Right. But, um, you know, Scherzer basically tells Rizzo, based off my knowledge of what I've read and everything, is that I want to go to the Dodgers. If you can trade me to the Dodgers, that would be my, that, that would be the best option for me. And listen, when you do all you do for that franchise, you win a ring, you win multiple Cy Youngs, you do feel a bit of loyalty, right? Yeah. And you do feel you owe them. And so Rizzo then tries to make a deal with the Dodgers, and that becomes his priority is making a deal with the Dodgers. And again, the Dodgers had a good farm system. Like there was there was incentive on both sides. The, the I thought the Nationals yeah they did they really traded well uh, Kieber Ruiz and Josiah Gray, Josiah Gray, and two others, right, and two other prospects. Yeah. for Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. People are like, oh, that feels light. And I'm like, I think Josiah uh, Gray yeah, is I like think... really good for yeah. one and two. Kieber Ruiz is like you don't get a lot of hitters like Ruiz at the catcher spot, especially no. one who's like as solid defensively as Ruiz is. He's oh yeah, very that's, solid that's a conversation I have about a billion times when people say, oh, "Why don't we trade Gary Sanchez for who? There's for just, who? There's no, there's nothing available." Like I know people are like, "Oh, Jacob Stallings," and I'm like, "Sure, Stallings is just like a more seasoned version of Higashioka with a slightly better, more consistent bat. I should say, a more consistent bat." Stallings is very good, but you know, you saw what the pirates got for him and you're like, that's probably way more than a team should give for Jacob Stallings. Right. We were never going to offer that. No. And first of all, good for Miami. They can, their farm system is loaded. Yeah. And they, and they're, they they're going to have one of the best pitching staffs in the, in the league in a couple and of they years. Need, Stallings is exactly what they need. Right. Yeah. They had a bad defensive catcher. Now they need a they needed a really good one to take their staff to the next level. And Stallings is that he makes perfect sense for them. Yep. Um, I love them. I love watching the Marlins because they they always have a good pitcher on every single day. Whether it's whether it's Lopez, whether it's you know Sixto Sanchez when he's up and down, Sandy Alcantara, and now Jesus Lazardo. They got last year. They're good. They're going to be good in a couple years. That pitching staff is good, but it just the the trade for the Marlins makes sense. And when you see the return, you're like, yeah, that doesn't make sense for the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like Justin Verlander. Like, do we contract. even have those pieces? Are, are they pieces that we're even willing to get rid of? It just, yeah, that's the no. thing about Yankee fans that drives me crazy, which uh, Alice and I do this all the time. We say, this is the thing about Yankee fans that drive us crazy as we're on a Yankees it's, it's podcast. A which, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, a weekly these are the exact, the people listening are the people we're insulting right now. They just, they have no concept of that. Hey, another team might be trying to get that guy too. And that might be better equipped to get him. And it's, we had, you know, it's nothing we, we can had do. This conversation about Joe Musgrove a lot. You, yes. we talked, you and I, talked we just about didn't Joe have Musgrove. the pieces. It, it, listen, the Yankees clearly wanted Jamison Tyone and Joe Musgrove, which means a, they're doing the right thing. They want yeah. him. They're Musgrove was great this year. Fantastic. He was Padres best pitcher. Oh yeah. Um, and, and the no hitter. Yeah. Of course did. we got that from Corey Kluber, but yeah, 
there were a lot of no hitters early on in the year. <laughs> then they all just vanished after yeah, they took was, away the yeah. spider tack. Um, but so the Yankees wanted Joe Musgrove, and as they should, they they were clearly hunting starting pitching and not like upper elite starting pitching, but guys who had high ceiling. Twos right? and threes. Twos and threes who could turn into potential ones and stuff because they're like we have arguably the second safest ace in baseball. And yep. despite all the stuff around Garrett Cole, I know the hamstring and everything like that, he was still really good this year. Yeah. He really, he really arguably, good. he could have still won the Cy Young this year, if even he, after the spider tax stuff, even after the hamstring injury that completely derailed a month of the season. I think it was like five starts completely yeah, he, derailed it. He still could have won the Cy Young. If he, if he doesn't have the hamstring issue, there was a stretch there where it started at the Houston game post crackdown mm-hmm. and ran through basically his that the start before Toronto. He had like a one ERA. He had that. It was the adjustment seven. period that yeah. uh, that came he, after the spider tack thing. It was like, he, just he, let him get his bearings again. It took him three starts. And then after those three starts for like the next eight or nine, the dude was, again, yep. historically dominant. Yep. I know people are like, oh, he, he wasn't hurt. And again, lucky enough to have a conversation. And uh, with Matt Blake, I don't want to reveal too much about it, but we did talk about that just because I noticed that it looked like his mechanics were out of whack. And which when you have an injury to your hamstring, to your left leg, his left hamstring. So for those listening, he lands on his left leg. Plant leg. Yeah. If you don't feel 100% there, you're a little bit shaky about it. It can really throw things off. Like it can be very hard to recover from that quickly. To me, that's the fastball command right there. The thing that Garrett Cole's problem was in the last month was that the fastball was it's coming over the middle a lot. Because he he just wasn't confident in what amount of weight he could put on. And I don't want to speak that this is what Matt Blake told me. No, this is just a pure guess. I'm not going to say what Matt Blake told me. But when you can't put your weight on your front leg, on your lead leg, and you don't get that lead leg block, it's very hard to have good fastball command. Your command Mm -hmm. is just not going to be there. And that was the problem. So – Again, you want to build your staff around Cole. And I thought the Yankees did a very good job of that. And that's why they were pursuing guys like Joe Musgrove and Jamison Tyon. Yep. So they go after Musgrove. You see the return that the Padres gave for Musgrove and you go, yeah, the Yankees probably can't beat that. And we didn't, that was pre that was before Volpe we knew and the, Peraza. And yeah, we, those guys weren't what they are now. We didn't the think Yankees of them that farm way yet. system wasn't what people thought it was because yeah. nobody had seen, nobody had seen what Volpe had turned into. Nobody had and seen. Dominguez is off the table pretty much no matter what, unless it's like, you know, unless we're time, yeah. going to get Shohei Otani or Mike Trout or Vladimir Guerrero, then you start to have that conversation. But so they went after Musgrove. Pirates said, we're not going to package Musgrove and Tyone together, as they shouldn't, right? You know, like you get, get better, better returns. returns. Yeah, you Two get returns. better returns separately. So they saw the return from Musgrove from the Padres and said, this is probably our best offer, which it probably was, right? It was very unlikely a team ever takes a worse offer, right? The You're Padres also have a, a fantastic farm system, and they still do. Yeah, and they still do. AJ Preller has a great eye for that, like, young talent. C.J. Abrams this year very i don't know if he plays center field i don't know if he plays a little bit of second base but he's gonna be fantastic yep i have the padres farm system they were trading from an area of strength and it made sense mm-hmm. the exact same thing happened in terms of justin verlander the yankees offered justin verlander a one-year 25 million dollar deal in my opinion again i'm not going to say the word overpay but for a 39 year old coming off tommy john surgery that's a lot of money 
the, for for an uncertain thing. That's you know, at the Yankees the are Yankees. at a place where we need certainty. We need definites right now, and they that's why need... you know that's the Carlos Correa of it all. Don't wait for Volpe to come up. Just get the definite right now. The Yankees pitching staff, even if they didn't make any moves, is still very good. They're still an upper echelon team in the American League, right? But what they could really use is a very solid, dependable guy, right? Someone who's going to throw 170 to 190 innings. You have that in Cole. You have that in Montgomery. If you can get that third guy who can just eat innings for you, then you're set, right? Mm -hmm. And so Justin Verlander is not bad, right? As much as he may be still that ace-like guy, one-year $25 million deal is a more than reasonable deal for that. And the Astros gave him that, but double it, right? They just said, we'll give you that, but we'll give you second a second year, year on top yeah. of that, basically. That's not a deal the Yankees should do. No. Right. And I don't, you know, I, I had no qualms asked. about passing on him either. I saw that deal and I was like, you know what? It wasn't going to work out. It just wasn't for us. And it, that's fine. And so now that comes back to, you know, let's say the Yankees try to go after Brian Reynolds or something, another guy from Pittsburgh, because mm -hmm. Pittsburgh just loves. <laughs> they have so have many good teams. players, but just never at the same time. If you think about all the guys they've traded over the years, yeah, you Garrett wonder, Cole, like, Joe Musgrove. What if yeah. they just adapted their Tyler philosophy Glass as now. a team and just kept all those guys? It'd be There's sick. a real argument that they would be the best team in baseball. Because <laughs> yeah. when you like really break it down, especially the pitching staff, we're like at Garrett Glass Cole, now, Joe Cole. Musgrove, Jameson Tyone, Glass now. It's like, oh my. That's if you just tell them the, to stop yeah. throwing sinkers inside that they don't when they don't have good sinkers. And just said, yeah, throw your four-seam fastballs more and your sliders more which all of those guys immediate or curveballs, they go to different teams and they all do that. And they're like, oh, wow, we're very yeah, successful. Turns out it works. Oh, Jesus. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but like, let's say they go after Brian Reynolds. And Brian Reynolds, if you don't know who he is, he's a pirate center fielder. He's very good. Very good. Very, very good. He just had one of the best years in all of baseball. And I don't think a lot of people paid attention. And again, why should you? Because the why, yeah, why would anyone pay attention yeah, to the they're, Pirates? They're they're really bad. And Unless you're like, looking for a center fielder at the trade deadline, or if you're the Padres looking yeah. for a 13th infielder in Adam <laughs> Frazier. Jesus, uh, that trade did not work out. Um, no. but, but, you know, the other thing too is Reynolds is not flashy, so he's not going to get your attention or anything mm -hmm. like that. So if you don't know who Brian Reynolds is, I highly recommend you look at his fan graphs or baseball reference page, and you will be amazed because the numbers are very eye-popping. But if the Yankees go after Brian Reynolds, and I'm not saying they should, I actually think the Pirates don't plan on trading him. So I, you know, I don't think it's worthwhile to even like ask. I mean, you can always ask, but like the answer is going to be no. And the price is going to be, you know, sky high. Someone they plan right? on keeping, it's got to be like, all right, well, give if us like Brooklyn, give us the if, entire borough. If you're, if you're the Marlins, right, that's a trade that's more worthwhile for you because Reynolds is exactly what you need and you can trade from an area of strength like San Diego did, right? With your trade from your really deep and good farm mm -hmm. and have it not really hurt you. And he helps your team now and in the future, right? That yep. was the thing about Musgrove is he helps your team now and in the future. Reynolds is the exact same way. He has even more control for now. Um, and so that makes sense for the Marlins. So the price that the Marlins are willing to pay should not be necessarily the price the Yankees are willing to pay because th it's different needs, the necessity to trade. I talked a lot about this a lot in terms of trades is that the two biggest factors people don't talk about is the necessity to make the trade and the desire to be traded, right? So, you know, the, the biggest name to 
get traded this offseason might be Matt Olson. And I think that's going to happen for the Yankees at some point. I've been it, pretty it makes open. too much sense. It makes, it makes too, too much, much sense. sense. They they could use a first baseman. Allison is left. not a huge fan of Matt Olson. Not that she's not a fan of him, but she likes Anthony Rizzo better. And, Anthony Rizzo seems like a nice guy, but he's starting to age and it's starting to go bad. And he's going to cost a lot more than Matt Olson for the next two because he's a free yeah. agent and Matt Olson hasn't reached free agency yet. You know, the other yeah. thing is like Freddie Freeman's there too. You know, there's a, there's a lot of options at first base, and I'm not going. Yeah. I don't think Freeman go. goes anywhere. I, I haven't even considered I him a free agent first base. He left Atlanta. Yeah, like I, I haven't, so I haven't even considered him a possibility. It's just like, he's going back. Just move he's on to the back. next guy. Anyway, but so I still think Olson happens. It, it just makes so much sense. Like yeah. when he came up in his league, I was like, that dude's going to make a great Yankee. It's a lot of fly balls. It's a lot, of, a fly lot balls. of fly balls. He does. Great. He defense. actually great defensive first baseman doesn't strike out much last year. He cut his strikeout rate by a lot hit. I think over 300 or close to, and was one of the best hitters in baseball last year. Again, a little bit overshadowed makes... by Starling Marte when he got traded to the yeah A's Marte was kind of like going into MVP form for it was, no it was crazy. particular reason. Didn't he? I think Marte had more steals on his own on the A's than the A's did before they traded for him. Yeah, it was, well, the A's Which are an absurd. analytics franchise. They're looking yeah. at me like, well, I don't know. Do we actually have anyone who can steal second base? Is Mark, is Mark Canna fast enough? Can he get there? No, he's not, he's not <laughs> no. The but, but so. There, the desire to trade is very high from Oakland, right? They're going to trade. Yeah, it's over. People. They let Bob it, Melvin walk away. Everyone's gone for free. Yeah, for he was nothing. under contract. That's the whole thing. He was under contract next they year. Could have gotten, and they something. were like, go somewhere else. Remember, John Farrell or John Gibson? I can't remember which one got traded as a manager. As a manager, yeah. That so, I mean, he was under contract. That. You can do that. He they exercised his option, and they just let him go for nothing. Yeah, why'd you even Nothing. exercise the option then? I just, I was they must so... Have, they must have gotten something, like some kind of payment for the Padres. Had there had to, to be right? some kind of... Because had... why, why would you exercise the option? Just be like, actually, yeah, if you want to if you want to dip out of here, you want to go, it's just, go ahead, go to San Diego. Which, again, if you're the Padres, of course, Melvin's a great manager. Of oh, course yeah. you take him. Arguably, like... you know, him, Kevin Cash, maybe you know, Alex Cora, we're talking about the best managers in the game. Yeah, like, so... You know he's no he's no Buck Showalter. Uh, <laughs> that an unintentional dag. Just the Mets hiring Buck Showalter would be such a such Mets a move. huge mistake. And it's just such a bad move. But anyway, yeah, I, yeah. honestly, Max Scherzer said he wanted Buck Showalter. So once yeah, he said, I started to like want somebody who's not going to take the ball from him. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's what Scherzer wants. But yeah, I mean, it made the A's are clearly selling right. They're yeah. I, if they have a pulse and they are owed a decent amount of money or will be owed a decent amount of money, they're gone. There's a good chance they get traded, which again is very bad for the sport. Like let me, let me say that it's not a good thing that that stuff happens, but it's going to happen. Most likely the HGM even came out and said it basically. He's just like, yeah, this is the cycle when you work here in Oakland. And it's just it's like, but you could, you could afford to not do it that way though. You could afford of course, it. Of course, of course you could. Yeah. Right. But you know, so you know, Olsen's probably going to get traded, right? Like there is some, you know, if you don't get the deal that you want, you could wait, right? But if you're Olsen too, you're going to watch a lot of your teammates go, right? What's the incentive for you not to be like, yeah, I want to stick around and be on a 65 win team while Nothing. I could be competing for a championship? 
right? Like nothing. Even days we're going to be in a tougher spot next year anyway. Seattle's coming. Seattle's Seattle's on their way. The Angels actually got a pitcher. They got Noah Syndergaard. They got pitching. They did. They still they still have Patrick Sandoval there and Shohei Otani. Now they have and the Astros obviously, but the the Astros will lose Correa and still find a way to win ninety three. Yeah, but they still got plenty of talent over there. They're not going to be missing Carlos Correa that much. It's not like they're going to fall out of the playoff. It's going to hurt, but if Bregman comes back. He could just play shortstop. He came he up as a shortstop. Play, yeah, he played. And he, remember, Cray was hurt for a while, and he played shortstop fine. So, yeah. like, they, they they will not be hurt. They're they looking at third fine. base and be like, I don't know. Why don't we go trade for Matt Chapman? Why don't we go trade for Jose Ramirez? Because, you know, same thing as in oh Oakland. Cleveland doesn't. The, Cleveland now, Cleveland makes me so mad. They're, they're they, by far my least favorite team in the league. I, maybe besides, like, the Rockies, because they just have no idea what they want to do. Rockies like, are trying to bring competent. Yeah, right? trying to bring Trevor Story back. That was the thing about the Rockies is they don't want to not spend. They'll they're willing to spend. They just, they just don't know what, don't they're, know doing. what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They don't know what they're doing with Cleveland. They know exactly what they're doing. Right. They yeah. churn out pitching like it's nothing. And then their owner says, well, we had a good four year run. Let's go ahead and sell off. Blow it up. Right. Let's yeah. say if that's what you're going to do, if you're Cleveland, like trade Jose Ramirez right now. Trade him right now. Once Get maximum value for him. That's the whole thing with Trevor Story, too. Once you trade Nolan Arenado, it's no over. reason to keep Story. It's was, over. Go trade was, him. Get two years of control worth of prospects for him. And they just, they kept him on like a 70-win team. And, what was, you, and then they try to re-sign him when he becomes a free agent. They're like, actually, we'd like to bring Trevor Story back. Why? Why? What was so maddening was after the trade deadline, I remember Trevor Story just like yeah i don't know why i'm here right now yeah like he like, knew and wanted to be traded and like, when he it was unbelievable he was pissed and it was i just unbelievable i feel so bad for the guy like oh, there was like, a market damn. for shortstops too the yankees the were yankees in a market for a shortstop about, they called about trevor story they were I know they didn't, the yankees didn't love him as much as they loved the other free agent shortstops but they were like we want we want him we, we will he take can help him. us win he's, now, which yeah. he got. He got out of the window. You're really going to tell me that he's a worse option than Gio Urshela playing shortstop right now? Like, yeah, come, come on. on. That's come not on. that's not true. Like, he's definitely a better option. Gio Urshela so. is a fine third baseman, but his one weakness at third base is his range. Yeah, we're going to put him at arm. shortstop? Yeah, no. It, it's it's The Rockies are so incompetent. But it, So this is what we talk about. The Rockies' motivation to sell should have been high, but it wasn't. For some reason, right? Incompetence. So let's, let's say yeah, incompetence is the reason. So let's say Cleveland does decide to trade Jose Ramirez. Their intention to sell is high, which means the package that you get in return is not going to be what people think. The trade package for these stars is never what people expect it to be, right? I, I feel like we have to learn that by now. Yeah. When Francisco Lindor got traded, when Max Scherzer got traded, when Mookie Betts got traded, you know, the, the return, you always go, really? Right. Because well, you like, don't, you, you don't know the new names. You don't know the young kids. You don't realize then, that, that they turn into, you know, stars down the road. You don't think back and be like, and oh, then, unless you you're there. You don't really care at that moment, right? Yeah. You just watched your favorite player get traded and everything like that. And it's, also, that's all we got back from the Dodgers top two prospects. Really? You, you say to yourself like, wow, we only got Jeter Downs and Verdugo. And listen, don't get me wrong. Red Sox trading Mookie Betts while they so ended dumb. up making the ALCS two years later. Credit to Hein Bloom for doing a very good job is still very bad. And for, listen, Verdugo was good. He was he, pretty yeah, good. He's a, he's a solid corner out. Not Mookie Betts, though. 
If they had Mookie Betts, would they be a better team? Yes. It worked out in the end, though. Speaking, for them. The Dodgers won a World Series the season they traded for him. You can say whatever you want about the 60-game season or not. Dodgers still won a World Series with Mookie Betts on that damn team. So yep. it still worked out for them. So when we talk about trades, always think about, well, is the team motivated to sell? If they aren't, the trade package is going to have to be ridiculous. It's going to have to be a big time payout right and um you know i I don't think we've had a team or a star get traded in recent years where the team was like oh that was just too good of a deal to pass up right most of the time teams that are not motivated to sell don't right Mm -hmm. they they just don't and there's no reason for them to but on the other end is there a need that needs to be addressed so in the yankees case right the biggest need is shortstop and the most obvious solution is still sitting out there when the when the lockout ends, and that Carlos Correa is still available. I would I would be shocked if we don't get I, Carlos Correa at this point. I would be shocked. I would be very surprised. Today's report was that the Tigers offered Correa ten years, two seventy five, and That's people were probably like, not enough. Which, by the way, coming from the score account, saying a monster offer, Corey Seager got ten years, three twenty five. Yeah, he's not he's a gonna monster beat offer. Corey Seager. For sure, he's going to beat Corey Seager by at least. He's gonna. I would. I would be shocked if it wasn't like the dollar amount would at least have to rival Lindor and and for oh, Fernando it, Tatis Jr. I don't know if the years quite gets there. It will. But it the, will the rival, yearly value will have to rival that. Give or take three hundred and sixty million by about twenty million, it's gonna yeah. be around there. Like that's what it's gonna be, and it, it's hard to argue that he's not worth it. Right. He's done it. He's he's the definite answer. The Yankees have the money. He's the clear fit. He just the had a clear seven win need. season. Yeah. He, good he defensively. Should've... Good offensively. He's he's won. the best shortstop in baseball. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, it's it's him or Tatis, right? Like it's it's one of those two guys. You know, and Tatis barely even played shortstop this year. And even when he came half, back, yeah. he was playing outfield. It, it, so you know, Correa is exactly what the Yankees need. Personally. I always thought he was going to the Tigers and at the beginning of the offseason, right? I always thought Correa was going to the Tigers because Javi know, Baez is a bad deal for them. That's, I, I, I hate that. Javi, I'm not a big fan of Javi Baez. The reason I don't, I like Javi Baez is like in terms of like a spectacle of the sport, right? Because he's yeah. super fun, right? Yeah. He's very he's interesting. He's, he's just super flashy. Production wise. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. interesting. The dude doesn't walk. And he, he'll swing he at anything. Everything. And so he relies entirely on his natural athleticism oh yeah like if you great Yankee fans think Gary Sanchez will swing at anything watch a few Javi Baez at bats so that's not gonna age well that never ages well it just never does and so when I saw the deal he got listen he's a definite upgrade for the Tigers right it's it's, which is not saying well yeah the Tigers didn't exactly have a lot of things that couldn't be upgraded so he's a definite upgrade but it felt like such a huge whiff on their part not mm-hmm. to sign Correa. Right? Especially if you are going to go that high in a contract, if you are going to spend that kind of money, money, get the guy who's definitely the best player in the league or the best shortstop in the league. Get the guy who's He's the best free agent on the market. Like it was, listen, he's the best free agent on the market because he's the youngest position player available on the market. And he plays the most premier position. And he's the best at it. Excellent. He's a great defender and a great offensive player. What's not to like there? I understand that there's some pushback from pretty much any team not named the Astros about Correa yeah. because, yes, sign-stealing situation, and yes, he was very open about how he would defend his teammates and everything like that. And listen, 
I'm not going to lie. It rubbed me the wrong way sometimes. I, I, yeah, I'm, sometimes I'm over it now. I was really mad about it for a while, but you know, it's been years, man. I'm I was it. never really over, like overly mad about it. I was always just like, that felt unnecessary from his part. That's how I felt. It's like, it felt unnecessary. Well, he's a weirdo. Carlos Correa is a weirdo. He's the very good is, at baseball. He's just weird. He's a weirdo, but he defends his teammates no matter what. Yeah. He's a great leader. An amazing leader in the locker room is what everything I read is like. He will defend any one of his teammates and he will motivate them to be better. And the Yankees kind of need like, I like Aaron Boone. I'm not afraid to say that, that I think Boone's way over criticized and his style is just very good in terms of today's game of being more laid back and relaxed and nobody, people don't respond to just somebody yelling in their face, telling them that they suck, right? Like it just, it no. doesn't work anymore, but Correa is not afraid to get in your face and say, I know you can do better. It's more effective when that comes. That's from constructive. It's more effective when that comes from a teammate than from a coach. Yeah, right? it's it's more constructive to do it that way. And and you know if the stories it's you're your saying peer. are true, because yeah, but it's also you know I know you can do better and not you're fucking up right now. It's, yeah, yeah, you're better than this. You can do better than this. Do better than this, and we're gonna the, win a baseball game today. The story I come back to is when Machado and Tatis were screaming at each other in the dugout, and Machado was saying, we "Everyone overreacted to that so much." Yeah, but he was Machado was saying, "We need you." You need to get it together because you're our guy and we need you. And if you do that, you're letting the team down. That's not being like, dude, get it together. You're being a piece of crap right now. No, it's you're too important to get thrown out of this game. You're too too good. And this game is too important to lose you. Right. That's good leadership. That's great leadership from Manny Machado. Oh, yeah. Correa does that same sort of thing. So he makes all the sense in the world. And at this point, I would agree. I, I would be shocked if it didn't happen. Like yeah, once, know, once Corey Seager was off the table, and I know I looked at, you know, they have Corey Seager's hit charts and it shows, you know, he actually hits it to the opposite field a lot. doesn't pull as much as yeah, he should. You think, you know, Yankee Stadium, left-handed bat. But then when you actually look at it, you're like, well, this it doesn't fit. If he's hitting it to left center field, and that's not exactly where you want to hit it in Yankee Stadium. So like the one part of the field you don't yeah. want to hit it to, actually. Very hitter-friendly uh, park, unless you hit it to left center field. And then you're so, in for a tough one. Then, so it, it, it doesn't, and it didn't make sense anyway, because the Yankees, what they really needed was infield defense with the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. And Correa, again, that's why Story was always, I know people are concerned about the elbow stuff, but he was always a decent option as well, is because not he's only was solid defense, I don't know, defender. Seattle Mariners wanted to play third. I don't yeah, know why which, they wanted to play third. Because Crawford's pretty good at shortstop defensively, and I guess they just prefer yeah, that. Yeah, but that's like, they, that's like classic baseball. Like, if you're going to sign Trevor Story, let him play, play his natural stuff. position. Yeah, I, yeah, I let agree. him play where I, he wants to play. It's not like A Rod and Derek Jeter, but like sort of like that. Derek Jeter wasn't even good at shortstop. But you know what's funny is I was looking at Andy Pettit's Hall of Fame case, and as you know, he among pitchers with three thousand innings, he has the highest batting average on balls in play allowed. I wonder if he had a bad defensive shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> he had a near fifty percent ground ball rate. Really good for starting pitchers, right? I'm going to sense that Derek Jeter actually might help keep that guy out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. I bet. <laughs> which, which is a bit unfair. But so like, it's a conversation going around on the pitching staff when the Yankees signed A-Rod. We're like, really? Like, why are we're we going to keep playing Derek a shortstop? He's going to play shortstop. Look at that guy. He's a, he's a phenom over there, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, when you have a great defensive shortstop, let them play shortstop, right? And the Yankees need that. And Correa is that. So it just makes sense. The other trick, you know, as I've said, Matt Olson, I also think is going to happen just because it, he he's made sense as a Yankee since the day he 
decided to play baseball professionally. Yeah, he's, right? he's like, exactly what the Yankees want. If the Yankees could customize a first they baseman, could customize a first it's baseman. It would be Yeah, exactly. It would be Matt Olson. It would literally, he's exactly what they want. He's a power hitting who doesn't strike out a ton and hits a bunch of fly balls. Also, so his career pulled, in Yankee Stadium, pulled he's fly hit like too. six bombs. Like, dude yeah. just loves Yankee Stadium. If, you, if he ends up there, and I think he does, right? That's fine. So really the only question is, what are they doing at catcher, center field, and on the mound? And as we've sort of talked about already at catcher, there's just no real room to upgrade. We talked about because uh, the, there's just no catching talent in the, the league. Pitch, the position is thin. It's just thin. I just you did have... for for radio. We just did like a top ten catchers all time, and you know it's not. You look back and you're like, well, catcher used to be the spot where it's like this is used your, to probably be the, the best spot. player. Yeah, yeah, this is usually your best player, and now you look at it and you're like. Can he frame? Cool. Is that it? That's end of conversation. Because yeah. if you're good, teams move you off catcher. Look at yeah. how many pro- star prospects used to be catchers. Josh Donaldson, Bryce Harper. Future Austin um, Wells. Yeah, Austin Wells. Austin Wells is probably not going to last as a catcher. Hey, he's no. not really that good defensively. But even with Robo-Arms because ar- he doesn't have a good arm. Yeah, but he can mash. Right. So what's yeah. the incentive love to put him swing. at catcher? It's so nice. Uh, what's the incentive to put him at catcher? he's athletic too he could play the outfield he could play corner outfield he played outfield at uva i watched yeah. him play the outfield i literally saw it with my own eyes when i went to uva i watched him play like he's a fine outfielder uh, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to put him at catcher it just because it sucks it he's not good career. at catcher because he would he would have been so good offensively at a spot that's just not that good offensively exactly that's like so and that's the thing with gary sanchez that we've been talking about for so long it's just it's so valuable to have an above average hitter at that position that you just have to keep sticking with it peak for peak there isn't a better offensive maybe Yasmani grandal if he can do what he did last year but it was last year he peak. just walked a ton he just and then he walking. started hitting bombs once yeah. he came back from injury but uh peak for peak there's probably not a better offensive ceiling from a catcher than gary sanchez his yeah. ceiling we is see still it in- when he gets on those two week hot streaks where it's like this guy is just the best hitter in all of baseball when he gets on those hot streaks there's nobody just- better than him right now and imagine taking somebody who, who can hit the ball like john carlos stanton and aaron judge and putting him behind the plate that's yeah. immensely valuable oh yeah the problem is a gary got covid this year and once he came back from that he was it just he lost 20 pounds and it was clear that he was just struggling from it right um and that's not you know to make excuses for the guy or anything, but it clearly had an impact on his play. Um, so the room to upgrade a catcher is you just kind of got to roll out there with Higashioka and Gary again, because there's no, there's just no room. You could have had Stallings, but eh, is he really that much of an upgrade? Maybe, maybe, but eh. And then there were like, well, they could trade for Wilson Contreras. Why would you just trade for a like worse version of Gary Sanchez? Yeah. No offense to Cubs fans, but, Contreras is just a worse, he's a worse defender than Sanchez is. And he's maybe a little bit more consistently average with the bat than Gary is. Like, that's, well, I think, I think that's what they're looking the ceiling, for. Though. They just want to know what they're going to get on a day in and day out basis. Yeah, I'm like, like, well, I don't, I don't care about that. I care for the two week stretch where Gary Sanchez conducts all of the offense himself because he's yeah, winning games. He's winning them himself. The con- Contreras love, I was always like, you don't like Sanchez, you're not going to like Contreras. Yeah, I don't, it's like, it, I don't know, he's fine. He's fine. He's Every just day. A, it's, it, yeah, I guess every single day it's less frustrating, but like at the same time, he's just this 
production wise, it's just the same, but slightly worse. So it doesn't make sense. Um, and then from there, you could uh, twins weren't really that interested in trading Mitch Garver. So it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So you kind of, why would say, they be? Because they, why would they trade Mitch Garver? He's under contract. They have him for a yeah, while. Very team. He's very good. Deal. Yeah. It's no reason to trade him. So then you move to center field and you're like, okay, right now the opening day center fielder is Aaron Hicks. And listen, I love Aaron Hicks. I have for years. I, I respect the guy who was willing to risk his entire career to try and win a world series. And I think that gets downplayed a lot because no, not by like, me. That, I play that. Like, all oh, the he time. signed that seven year deal. And they focus on the seven year. It's just $10 million so a year though. That's nothing. Ten we million. gave Brett Gardner that last year. They gave Zach Britton more money. Yeah. They, like Britt Brit was relievers. bad this year. Britt was bad. Poor, poor guy. I like Britton a lot, but like, whew, man, that was, that was tough year for him, but they gave relievers more money than they gave Aaron Hicks, who at one point was a five win player. Very good. It's, Very good. He doesn't do it in a flashy way. He does it. It's the power. It's base. the walks. It's the good defense. And that's I like, like him. He gets on base. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that's, you know, Aaron Hicks was like the first guy that I think Yankee fans really latched on to as like, we don't like the analytics. We hate them. I can't remember anybody who came before him who was like, because well, I, I guess they were also pretty bad in 2016. They weren't like bad, bad, but you know, it's hard to get excited about a guy like Carlos Beltran hitting third or whatever yeah. they had going on then. And, and, you know, before that, nobody really knew what analytics were. So Aaron Hicks was the first guy where it was like, this guy just walks and hits home runs. That's, we don't like that. It's not fun to watch. And it, but it's effective. And yeah. uh, listen, if he's your fourth outfielder, I think you're doing stuff right. And I remember yeah. there were some connections to the Yankees with Starling Marte and uh, on paper, the fit makes sense, right? He's a center fielder. He's okay defensively in center field, but he steals a lot of bases, something the Yankees could He's old use. school. Yeah. He's a bit of a more, you're more classic kind of player. And they were open about maybe we need some more contact. Don't agree with that by the way, I, I don't agree with that assessment from Boone and Cashman, but uh, that they needed more contact. So Marte made some sense, but then you remember he's like 33 and the amount of years he was going to want. You're like, eh, he's again, like bias, not exactly a player who's going to age super well because mm -hmm. again, relies a lot on pure athleticism. Um, you also you Starling Marte tied a rat to a firework. That was a just, weird incident. Yeah, that's just, just not really a vibe I want around the Yankees. Yeah. So the Mets, that's fine. They can have them, but I, I don't really want the rat tied to a firework around the Yankees. It's a weird vibe. If he ages well, fine, whatever. I'll chew the crow, whatever you want me to do. But like it makes sense. So, you know, then there were rumors of Buxton. And listen, I'm glad the Twins extended Buxton. I know people like $100 million for Brian Buxton. The dude played 80-something games and was still worth like five wins. Dude, yeah. dude's absurd. He's absurd. He's, when good. he's on the field, it's actually the same thing that was with Aaron Hicks when he was with the Twins. So he's yeah. not on the field that often, but when he is, he's very this guy good. is fantastic. Yeah, Byron Buxton's very good. So it makes sense to give him a, listen, if he stays healthy, he's obviously going to be worth way more than that. But he's never done it. Yeah, literally never played. Eventually, games. you just have to play that card. Like, it's just not working, man. Yeah. You're just not. So, you can't stay on the field. So it makes sense why I got the deal. So then we go back to Brian Reynolds. Probably not going to happen because the Pirates aren't interested. So how do you sort of upgrade the outfield? Well, the answer is on your current team, you have two guys who could probably play center field 
and one is Joey Gallo, who for some reason they just didn't. Really I don't know let why they put Judge and I don't know why they put him in, or Judge in center field instead of Joey Gallo. So the rumor was that Gallo doesn't like center field. And, well, I guess which, that makes sense. He also doesn't like hitting high on the order, so I guess he's he wants he's to see a lefty those weirdos. Yeah, which I can actually kind of understand that one of like you want to see how a lefty gets approached and everything like that. Mm-hmm. That one makes sense. Yeah. Um. Oh, we don't so, have too many of those. But Judge actually did a pretty good job in center yep. field, I thought. Like, like he could play 400, 500 innings out there, and you'd probably be okay. Like, he could probably handle that that amount of volume out there, um, which is good. It's not a spot, especially center field in Yankee Stadium. I mean, left field to a lesser, discre- uh, lesser degree, but it's not a spot where I really want Aaron Judge playing the majority of his innings because it's, it's tough out there. Right field is so easy. Yankee just, Stadium. You don't want Brett Gardner playing. And to Brett Gardner's credit, in the after like the first two months, Brett Gardner was really good. He had a he had a really nice streak when the Yankees won like they went like 33 and 15 or something over a stretch he was of the really season. Good and Brett stretch. Gardner was a big part of that. Brett Gardner, like the last three months, Brett Gardner was really good. I just and wish I just wish we didn't watch fastballs go right down the middle for strike one on him like every single time. It's also just he's just you can't rely on it anymore no. not to any disrespect to allison's boy or anything but he is getting up there it's just it, it would be a bad process even even allison has admitted on this podcast that it's it might be time to just kind of acknowledge on both sides brett you, you don't have it anymore we don't really want you around you don't really want you to did be a, around you it did was great, great while you were here retire go somewhere else but like if he doesn't get done. hurt in the middle of his career we might be talking about him more intensely on hall of fame ballots because it's yeah. all very because it was the defense that got him there really and it was so good defensively. yeah very underrated you so look at the good. final war stats and you're like how did this guy get how up did this that guy high? get almost a 50 war what yeah the hell and you're like yeah. oh right he played left field in yankee stadium and he was a center fielder and he just caught literally everything everything yep so, you know, to, to Brett Garner's credit, he had a much better year than people gave him credit for. I know he always has a dog. better year than people give him credit so, for. But it is it is time to move on. If you're if your outfield is Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks, John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, I think that's fine. Yeah. I, like I, I generally believe that if you don't get an outfielder, it's not really that big of a concern because you have multiple guys. Oh, it's definitely not the number field. one concern. Number one concern no. is, is short shortstop and then first base. And then if there's an option that arises in center field, yeah, sure. That's so Aaron that's Hicks why they're kind of the looking at outfielder. say a Suzuki who drops absolute tanks. He is if you haven't so heard of him. good. He is, he is so good. Very good. And, but he's a corner outfielder. So I think the, the Asian born players tend to want to stay on the West coast just because of the time zone change. I don't know that, if that's the case with him, but that's you no. Know, it's 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 interesting. You know, they, there is a a preferred you know deal to stay on the West Coast and everything, as you said, because of the time change. And also, just it's easier for their hometown fans to keep watching them, and, and they're exactly. close to their families. And it's it's just a much easier gig for them. And yeah, that's fair. Completely fair. Yeah, totally fine. Um, that's why Shohei Otani didn't even take a meeting with the Yankees. Like, I don't want anything to do with New York. I want to stay on he the West Coast. He just said nothing to the East yeah. Coast. He, he, so that yeah, it wasn't I the Yankees in particular. It was you know no Red Sox, no Yankees, no Nationals, didn't, nobody. We're doing the West Coast. Anybody thing. on the East Coast? Yeah, he's a, literally a god to Japan. So why wouldn't he want to stay on on the closest time zone to them? And he's also just a wonderful human being. Oh, yeah. um, so very handsome. That's now, now after we've done with center field, they can, they can take Suzuki. I think that's fine. You know, I think their interest in him is more real than people would like to admit. I think it's actually a decent possibility that they sign him. 
Now we go to pitching. So in all actuality, if the Yankees had signed Carlos Correa, the best option for the Yankees was actually probably Marcus Stroman because he's super dependable, gets some ground Very balls, consistent. And you know what I'm, you're getting. I had him circled for the, uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals just because you know they have the best infield so defense in the league. The They're looking right? for pitching. He's a ground ball guy. Good Dude team, playoff caliber team. St. Louis. Oh yeah, he his ERA would have been like 0.8, but he wouldn't yeah. strike anybody out. It would it would have been hysterical. So Marcus Stroman made a lot of sense, but it was never going on paper, I should say. Yeah, but the Yankees, Stroman, I guess they just never really liked Stroman. They they never really liked Stroman, which there's reasons not to. The Yankees value whiffs a lot. Stroman mm-hmm. doesn't really get that. Like that's no. just not his game. And we have um, bad infield defense anyway. That too. Stroman doesn't make sense. So I remember Red Sox fans were like, we should get Stroman. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work for you guys either. Six on your team. Like, yeah, it doesn't work for you guys either. You also I, need strikeouts and fly balls instead. Exactly. So when Xander Bogarts is your shortstop, you cannot sign ground ball pitchers. Oh my um, God. Xander Bogarts. It's not even his fault that he makes me mad. It's A-Rod's fault that every time he's on Sunday night baseball, dude. he's like, oh, Xander Bogarts is so good offensively, so good defensively. And he's a great ambassador for the game. He says that like a hundred times every Sunday night. It drives me crazy. If I hear A-Rod say the word ambassador one more time, I'm going to kick my television. (laughs) A-Rod on Sunday night is just abysmal. But yeah, so like Stroman wasn't going to happen. And he openly admitted that like he didn't agree with the Yankees facial hair policies and their policies on other things. Which they they shouldn't have those policies. Completely fair. Completely fair. It cost us Brian Wilson back in the day. That was like a real thing that Brian Wilson to the Yankees yeah. had actual See, steam, but he made so much money off his beard. It was part of his brand, part of his merchandising. His whole thing was fear it. the beard. Yeah, which again, fair. Yeah, shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I would also take the merchandising rule. money over the Yankees. So, you know, Stroman wasn't going to happen for those reasons. And also because the Yankees didn't like him. He didn't like their policies and everything like that. He also doesn't have great interactions with Yankee fans all that oh. often. So he wanted to be a Yankee so badly when he was still getting traded I'd, from Toronto. Yeah. He wanted to be on the Yankees so badly. And then when they didn't want him, he just acted like he he's like a rejected girlfriend. He was like, no, I never wanted to be here. I never, never. You're yeah, a loser. It, I hated you always. It's like, it dude, a- just like they didn't want you. You're going to go somewhere else. You're going to be fine. I always liked Stroman. He's a good pitcher. It just, it didn't, it didn't make, it, it made sense on paper, but didn't make sense off paper for so many reasons. Yeah. So now that sort of leaves, you know, I thought they would be more interested in John Gray than they were. They were apparently not very interested. I think Gray is, you know, first of all, Texas signing him. They gave him that he got that much good money. Deal. Yeah, good deal. Are you? Are you really the team to unlock John Gray, Texas? They think they're the team to unlock everything now. They're just like, we'll take everybody. Give us every single player available. No, it's they funny spend is, so much money. They might so they might have went from a last place team to a last place team next year. Yeah. Like, are they are they better than the Angels? Probably not. I don't are think so. Are they better than the, the Mariners? A's? Depends. Depends on what the A's. They might do. be better they than might, the A's. Yeah. They might be, depending on what happens, right? I know they got the Mariners. Also have Julio than... Rodriguez coming too. Like that's yeah. that guy's coming too, and he's then the whole not team better than three complete. of those teams in that division, right? So yeah. like, you know, the John Gray deal, you kind of and what's coming? Go, do they even have prospects beyond like a Jack Lighter? Is there anyone in the Rangers system? They where have some. They have some dudes. Look, they, they have some dudes that like they could be good, but like. Again, but no, so like, like no difference... lockdown. Jack Leiter is a guarantee. 
more as far as a prospect can be a guarantee. People were comparing them to like what the Padres were trying to do. But like the difference was the Padres had Tatis and they also they they had other guys already on the team when they signed Machado. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric Cosmer, who I hate Eric Cosmer, just hit the ball in the air, man. Cosmer um, sucks. But yeah. like when they signed Machado, the thought process was our left side of the infield will be Tatis and Machado. Right. Yeah. Good. Like it's a it's a surefire thing that's gonna happen. You know, Will Myers is his contract's big, but he's still pretty dependable for production at the time. At the yeah. time. He's he's right. hit a, he had a good 2020. 2021 wasn't as good for him. And they um, thought they had a few pitching prospects who might be pretty good. Like they had some faith in Denalis and Lamette, as they should have. Love right? Lamette. Yeah, it's a shame he can't stay healthy. But um, so they had some faith in some pitching prospects and everything like that. And Mackenzie Gore, with who Texas, just looks terrible now. With Texas, they're now signing their left side or up the middle duo, right? And then just hoping that Josh Jung, who's a great prospect, can pan out, or hoping that Nate Lau can figure it out, or they go get a first baseman, right? You know, they, they turn out great defensive catchers. Like it's nothing for some reason, they're low key, mm-hmm. a catching factory. Like if you go on the baseball perspectives, framing leaderboards, you'll see a Texas catcher in the top five, like the past few years. And it makes no sense, but like, there it is. Um, they got a good catching coach. That is what it is. Good they job. have no pitching, no pitching. The thing about John Gray is like his deal makes sense where he went to and who gave it to him doesn't because he's not number one for their team. He, he, his ceiling is interesting in the sense of like, you still don't really know because he was in Colorado, but it's not interesting enough to like, be like, we're going to build a rotation around this guy. I'd be, I'd be circling Jack lighter and being like, I think this is, you know, the guy of the future, but you, you he, he never know where the dra- pitching drafted though. Right. Yeah. Like he just got drafted. It's, yeah, of course. So but that's why, you know, that's why I hated these signings. I was like, you're not close enough to be doing these signs. You're not close enough. You can't I'm, see the frame. The Padres had the framework there. You could see the future there. And that's why Manny Machado signed there and signed that huge deal. There's You can look at it and say, I see the prospects you have in these spots. I see how close they are to the major leagues. I see the plan you have here. There's an actual plan. And it makes sense. Yeah, what was with the Texas, Rangers weren't just, that close. The, with Texas, I remember when they traded Joey Gallo, I kind of said to myself, should they have... Right. Like that was my thought process at the time was, uh, especially they if they're going to go out and do this in the off season, if this was your plan, why then, trade Joey Gallo? When, when they got their return and the return for Gallo from the Yankees was fine. Like I thought it wasn't great. I thought it wasn't bad. Like it was, I saw the deal and was like, that's fine. Like, yeah. Fair for both sides, in my opinion. But and then I remember somebody asked me like, do you think it's substantial enough to make it worth it to like rebuild the farm system and then go for it later? And I said, no. And I still believe that it wasn't substantial enough. I would have rather just kept Gallo. And now that you have Seeger and Simeon there, it it sort of feels it again of like, why didn't you just keep Gallo? Because now this, you have a that was three. the plan. This was a few months ago that they traded Joey Gallo. I'm sure at that point, a few months ago, they're having conversations in their front office saying, let's circle Corey Seager. Let's circle Marcus Simeon. Let's go for it. Let's spend this money. It's not like the season ended and all of a sudden they were just like, you know what? sign everybody yeah but it's it's, i 100 agree with you i'm just wondering why gallo wasn't in those plans right like yeah that's the same thing that i'm wondering like why why trade joey gallo if you do have these players yeah he's the thing is if gallo can find a way to avoid the slumps which is a very big if right but if you're going to find a way to avoid the slumps it's an mvp level ceiling 
right? Like that's that's how good the dude can be. I know yep. he'll never win because he won't hit higher than 240. And people are like, no one's ever going to give him the MVP yeah, no for 240. Give him hitting, you know, 236 with 50 home runs and a 170 weighted runs career plus and gold glove caliber defense, right? So it's the never baseball writers are at it again. <laughs> They're at it all the time right now. So, <laughs> so back to all this was all about John Gray, and I thought the Yankees could go in on him, but they decided not to. So now that kind of leaves. Well, who's left, right? So, you know, some smaller names like Alex Cobb and Alex Wood and everything. Great for Tony, the Giants last year. Yeah. Who they they all had good years and Tony Descafani all went to the Giants and they all had good years. Those were good signings and everything. And I thought the Giants did a really good job after they lost Kevin Gosman. Right. So, you know, the other big fish on the market outside of Scherzer were Kevin Gosman or Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray didn't make much sense for Yankee no. Stadium because he gives up a lot of fly balls. Right? Yeah. He had a great year last year, and I think he really did figure something out. I think he did figure something out to the point of where he's not as good as he was last year, but he's still a good pitcher, right? So he goes to Seattle, makes perfect sense. It's a pitcher-friendly park. In a he's going to be good know, for them. Up and coming team, new yeah, side, pitcher-friendly division, yeah. right? Like you know, outside of Houston, there's no real great offensive team there, right? So. It makes sense for Robbie Ray to go there. Kevin Gosman goes to the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays lose Simeon and Ray, but they get Gosman and it's and they keep Barrios, right? So you're sort of like mm. also, also offense wasn't the Blue Jays' problem last year. You can lose no. Marcus Simeon and still survive offensively it with was, what you got there. It was more important in my mind to replace Ray than it was yeah, to replace Simeon. For sure. Because and and bullpen help. I they need yeah. bullpen guys too. Kevin Biggio like makes some like he could bounce back and replace Simeon to a relative degree and be fine. Yeah. He's right? a, he's average, but yeah. he's just going to be average. But you also but you're also going to get a full season of George Springer next year, hopefully. Yeah, right? and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who just you know would have won MVP any other year except if the it year weren't that... for Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yes, and exactly. The, uh, Bo Bichette and, and Lourdes Gurriel. That's the guys who don't get as much credit, like Teoscar Hernandez and Gurriel. Who you just you know you look at Vladimir yeah. Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Simeon, you're like all stars. These guys are amazing. And they're like, well, hold on a second. Like, Teoscar without... was an all star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, these guys are pretty good too. Shit. Yeah. So, the, you know, so again, now we go back to what's available on the pitching market. You know, we talked about all oh, the Yankees, they really need starting pitching. And sure, it's, it's not a need, but it's always, you can never have enough, right? You can, you can never have enough starting pitching. No. And so now the conversation now, it's going to be the right goes, starting pitchers too, though. It can't just be, you know, superstar, superstar, superstar. You're going to have those guys like Luis Hill and Luis Medina. Yeah. Like, so they have a lot of depth uh, internally, which is nice. So you can try and make a trade. You know, I know the Reds were talking about Tyler Maley. Don't ask about Sonny Gray. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Stop asking about Sonny He's Gray. never going to come back. It's never, it's just, just move on. Right. So you start, you know, you start thinking about pitchers that might be available that makes sense for the Yankees. And, and really it gets down to like, there's just like the catching market, not really a lot out there, right? Like there's just the pitching market in this particular free agent class wasn't particularly great. Right. Yeah. You know, the top end of it was the Yankees were always never really going to be that interested and Scherzer was never going to be interested in them. No. So it, it never really mattered. Um, well, so, so we were fine on pitching too, even losing Corey Kluber, you know, you hope that next year, Jamison Tylen gets a full season and he's a little more comfortable. And, you know, these guys heal Abreu, Michael King, Luis like Medina, who I hope to see a lot of this year. Um, he's, he's throwing really well in Hayden the DR West right Neckie now. Is, is 
coming up too. Like yeah. the pitching prospects from the Yankees, they're good. We didn't, need, we didn't need a pitcher. Yeah, we no. didn't need a pitcher. That they wasn't anywhere near the top of a priority list. They have so many intern. Like, listen, I don't like the guy, but Domingo Herman can be a good pitcher at times. Yeah. Like it's, he he's much better out of the bullpen. The I don't think he's a starter. I don't I don't think he's gonna continue to be a starter. I don't know what his role is going to be in the future, but like, you know, he might take over that Michael King role. If Michael King does go, you know, full-time starter, you can maybe use Domingo Herman. That's like that three inning guy. It, 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 they have so much depth in their pitching that getting a pitcher just isn't as big of a need as people are making out to be. They have two, in my opinion, really big needs and that's shortstop and first base. And by all accounts, it looks like they're going to address them in some fashion or another. Yeah. It looks like Correa and it could be Olsen, could be Freeman. I know people were like, well, Rizzo's dependable. I, I, I'm so down on Rizzo in just general for everybody. Like if I were the one team, I think who should sign Rizzo is just the Cubs. Just sign, sign him again. Bring him back. Bring him back. Like he's not particularly great anymore. You know, he could be a get one- that nostalgia and get the ticket yeah, sales. Get, get, give him a four-year $60 million deal, which is frankly probably more than I think most teams would give him, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's fair to say that that's kind of a lot of money for Anthony Rizzo. Um, again, not an overpay. Those don't exist, but like... It, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good good for money for, Anthony, yeah, Anthony for what Rizzo. he probably earned. For what he probably... He's probably, again, listen, if you could rather have Luke Voigt or Anthony Rizzo, I'd probably just take Luke Voigt. Like, yeah, and uh, Luke Voigt's a lot cheaper. He's a, he's a, unfortunately, you know, not to speak like, you know, a GM or anything like that, but he is a lot more, you know, money friendly, I should say. Uh, and frankly, just as good. Like he's a way better hitter and the defense at first base just kind of washes out. Right. Like it's It's one of those positions that if you're really good defensively at first base, that's great. But if you're not that great defensively at first base, it's like, it's like if you're really making or breaking or. Yeah, it's like, is this really making or breaking us this year? No, Your like, defense at first? Probably not. Voight went healthy. You know, again, again, huge when healthy guy. Uh, but when healthy is a one of the best hitters in baseball, right? We all yeah. know that. And so it just, if you can have that, you can have that. If you don't, then you don't. And ultimately, like, I, what I, I want to wrap up on this because we've been going for so long. And I, just oh, yeah, this half an hour. I was, like, I was about to say this half an hour turned into almost two hours. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and I feel bad about that. So I, I want to wrap up on it. If you're the Yankees and if you're a Yankee fan, I understand if you have some hesitations about Carlos Correa, but he's by far the best option for the team. He's by far. Do you want to win or do you want to win with the right guys? Do you want to win? Right. If that's the, the answer, question. If, if you are complaining about how the Yankees haven't won and Cashman can't build a winner and boom, Correa is the guy. Correa is your guy. He will help you win because he's the best free agent on the market. Matt Olson is him or Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman in baseball. And Freeman's definitely not available. And I would be shocked if Freeman, if Freeman left Atlanta, like I would be stunned. Oh, so, yeah. Especially after a World Series, he's got an MVP, he's a hero exactly. there. Go back. He's not going anywhere. Atlanta just pay him the money. They will. And they did, like, they got Acuna and and Albie's on such affordable get, contracts. contracts. They have Give the, him money. the damn money. Yeah. You got it. We all know you do. The other guys, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, they're making league minimum. Like they're yeah, not taking like, up your payroll. Don't worry about it, man. Just go pay Freeman, and it'll be fine. So you can get Olson and have it work out. Then beyond that, like don't 
expect too much. Like if you get those two guys, that that addresses your biggest needs. From there, if they sign Suzuki, great. If they sign another pitcher, perfectly fine. They trade for a guy like Tyler Maley or something like that. Also perfectly fine. Like, but beyond that, you know, I, I think if you're if you are expecting anything, I would say expect a big move at shortstop and expect a big move at first base. Beyond that, don't expect much. Yeah, and that that'll be plenty for the Yankees who underperformed really, really, last year. They're already really due will. for a bounce back with most of these guys. The, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. That's, Listen, the it one is thing you can count on is Aaron Judge and John Carlstein will mash. Absolutely. And, and Gary Sanchez every other two weeks. And Jonathan Lewisga is an absolute stud. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. We'll wrap it up there then because this. Uh, I'm glad that Allison ended up not being able to make it to the podcast because I think she would be texting me death threats right now after going on for almost two hours when she said I only yeah, have half bad. an hour available. But, but we no, didn't, no, we listen. We didn't have questions. We just, we just went. Yeah, nice. listen, I, I love that. These are my favorite podcasts when it's just like, we're just going. We're just going. We're, we're not we're even looking going. at the clock. Yeah, but we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Max, our stats genius, thank you again. Uh, if you're listening, go check out. If you're still listening after almost two hours, go check out his Pitch Talk series that he's doing on Twitter spaces. The first two have already been fantastic. When's the next one? The next one is next Wednesday, 9.30 Pacific time, 12.30 Eastern time. In the morning, I'm going to be speaking with Kyle Rogers, who used to work at Driveline, um, now runs his own training center and is a pitching coach and is also one of the best strength coaches and pitching velocity guys in, frankly, all of the industry. Like, he's just a genius. So it'll be a really good conversation about pitching development, strength development, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So everyone on Twitter has to be there. It's mandatory. Uh, Max, thank you again. Uh, the help try to download this within 24 hours. It's big file. It's going to take a minute, but uh... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on, man. I always love coming on. Of course, man. Have a good one. You too.